Welcome to the You're Not Alone podcast, where we want you to find hope and encouragement from real people sharing their real stories. So here we go with your weekly dose of real talk, girl chat, and good vibes. Friends, today we have Danielle Harrison on the show. Danielle and I have known each other for nearly 10 years. She is a gem, has always been incredibly mature, and is someone so many look up to. Hannah and I sat down with her to hear about her journey through infertility and divorce. Danielle even refers to her story as one that isn't tied up with a pretty bow. We were encouraged as she shared with us what she's learned and is still learning while navigating her new normal and living life open-handed. Here we go. All right, Danielle, you're here. Yes. And we're thankful that you're here. We are um, excited to hear your story. I know it's going to help so many people. But before we get started, we want you to share a little bit about yourself and who you are, what you do. Okay. Your dogs. Yes, my fur babies. <laughs> yes. So um, I am a high school counselor. Um, I grew up in Kentucky, but um, found my way to Georgia through grad school. Been a high school counselor for this is my sixth, beginning of my sixth year. I love Kentucky, but I love Athens more. So um, I feel like I'm probably in Georgia to stay forever. Mm-hmm. I have two pups, Gracie and Emery, pure bar fanatic coffeeholic. I'm in grad school right now, so working on my specialist degree. So that's my spare time right now is studying and barring. (laughs) Barring. That's all I do. I love to hear that you want to stay in Athens because when Danielle and I first met, I mean, that was almost 10 years ago, I guess, Yeah. which is so weird. And you guys were fresh. Like you had just moved here, right? Oh, yeah. I think you guys just came it, like, in three and you're weeks. like, and start school and yeah. do all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. We've, we've literally been here for, I think, three weeks when mm-hmm. we went to Group Link. So, yes. yeah. So, when I moved to Athens, I was married mm-hmm. and um, we had dated in college and I thought it would be brilliant to move eight hours from home and graduate and get married and start my PhD program in the span of three months. So that's what we did. And um, yeah, it was a whirlwind to get down here, but we immediately got plugged in with Mm -hmm. Athens Church and Mm -hmm. small group. And that is still one of the best decisions that we ever made. So So can you back up a little bit and share just a little bit about yourself and what your life looked like before right now, Mm -hmm. present day. Yeah, totally. So growing up, I'm the oldest of three. So I have two younger brothers and we're pretty close in age. Um, My parents were married for 23 years, I think. Um, They actually got divorced right after I got married. Um, But they'd always kind of had this just like, pretty hostile relationship. It was very up and down. It was very unpredictable. Um, and I think that I always wanted to like overcompensate for that by being like the high achiever, like do everything perfect. Um, so growing up, I was just like what you would 
say is like the good girl, you know, mm-hmm. like followed all the rules, did everything the right way, quote unquote the right way. <laughs> and um was super involved in church, you know, like was always in church growing up and came to faith really early. Um, and that had always been a part of my life um, through high school and then college, going to a, a private Christian school. Um, so I was super involved, you know, through all of grade school and college. And um, I think I just always had this um, kind of like high achieving, you know, like if y'all are Enneagram people, <laughs> like I'm an Enneagram one and just like the classic like perfectionist growing up. So, um, I wanted to be respected and like do everything the right way. So Mm -hmm. that's who I was growing up. Yes. Mm -hmm. You were married. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about um, that and Mm -hmm. till present day? Yeah. So, um, we got married right after we graduated from college. Um, so that was in 2010 And again, moved to Athens right away. And, um, you know, the stress of the big move and starting school and we bought a house and we added a dog and just did a lot of really big things in a really short period of time. Um, And it was really stressful, you know. I think a lot of people say like the first year of marriage is the hardest and at the time I didn't think it was that hard but looking back I was like that was a really yeah. hard year like <laughs> did why did I do all that stuff <laughs> right. you know and I thought it was all a great plan mm-hmm. um and that's that's another thing about me is just like a planner you know like mm-hmm. I've got my whole life planned out um and so we were gonna get married and I was gonna finish my degree and then I was gonna work for a couple years and have a couple kids and buy a house and XYZ and things were just gonna like fall into place the way I'd planned them. So we got married and it was a tough um, transition I would say because we were here without any family yes, at I all. That. Yeah. That was- like, do you guys want to come over for Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember me um, we that? Were, I was like, I mean, yeah. I don't want them by themselves in their house. But. I know. Well, and that's like, again, one of the best things that we ever did was get involved in a community mm-hmm. group because when hard times did come, like I, we had the community mm-hmm. group to yeah. um, kind of rely on and just, you know, you don't you don't always have your family around, but also like it's kind of cool to get to choose your friends who become mm-hmm. family. Um, that's really kind of like what Athens became for us. So we were married for about seven and a half years. And um, during that time, um, divorce came up several times. And I would say the biggest stressor that really kind of pushed it to that point was experiencing infertility. Um, so I had always known that I wanted kids Mm -hmm. growing up, and that was just part of the plan, just something I assumed would be super easy and happen, you know, like, why would you believe that there would be, you know, any trouble? Um, So I guess it was about 2015 that we started trying, and um, it was the classic, like, we'll try for a year, and if things don't work out, you know, come back, we'll do tests. And so that was an incredibly difficult year because especially at that point, like all of my friends were getting pregnant and everyone around us was starting to start a family and we didn't have any answers. And for me as this perfectionist, 
I'd always done everything by the book, you know, and really wanted to control everything that was happening in my life. Like thinking if I can do this, then this is going to solve this problem or I need to figure this out and solve this issue. Um, so it was really difficult to not have an answer, you know? Um, so we went through that year and, um, just tried Mm -hmm. and then eventually started testing and all this stuff. Um, and really went through about a year and a half of intense, like fertility treatment, lots of rounds of drugs and lots of money and treatments and surgeries and eventually IVF in um, July 2017, June, July that summer, um, finally saw our second specialist and she was like, you know, let's just do it. And I didn't really have time to think about it or like prepare my body the way that now I wish that I had. Um, but you know, we just kind of dove full force into it and really had no reason to believe that things weren't going to work out, you know, besides Mm -hmm. just the statistics. Um, and I really truly did believe that like that was going to be what worked. And, um, I remember two days before our wedding anniversary in July, I got a call from the clinic and they said that there was only one embryo that was even remotely viable and there really was zero explanation Mm -hmm. for why Mm -hmm. it was just really no explanation. And that was lowest of low for me. I mean, you know, I got that call and I was at home and I remember just like falling to my knees in the kitchen floor and just crying there for like an hour and a half. And I just did not think I was ever going to be okay Mm -hmm. after that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was, that was the lowest of low for us. I think also just like being this eternal optimist and thinking like, okay, I can still fix this, you know, like we'll just try again. It'll be fine. I was like full steam into like, Let's do this again. Yeah. It'll be okay. Like your mind was set. We've, yeah, mm-hmm. we've like we can kind of change the protocol and like we'll we'll fix it. It'll be fine. Um, and so that's kind of the track that we were on. And in November, um, the week before I was going to start medication for the second round, um, was the final um, ask for divorce and for the relationship to be over. So definitely came as a complete shock mm-hmm. to me. So had he asked you for a divorce before mm-hmm. you had experienced infertility? Had there been like issues before? Yeah, there were two other times over the seven and a half years that it had come up before. Um, and that's, I mean, you know, I just kind of felt like, okay, we'd work through like the issues, right. you know, and um, I truly was just like, completely shocked that Mm -hmm. it was coming up again like did not see it coming whatsoever especially after what you just Mm -hmm. you know i mean not only does that take a toll physically but mentally emotionally yeah yeah i mean you invest so much in that process and um you know even financially it's such a commitment um and i 
you know, that was just a super, like, I would say those two and a half years were a really angry time for me, you know, like I was just so, I mean, bitter, like there's no other word, you know, just bitter and angry at God that like I had done everything right, you know, like I followed the right sequence of events Mm -hmm. and played by all the rules. And, um, I think I'd always grown up kind of thinking, you know, if you play by the rules, things are supposed to work out for you and they weren't working out for me. Mm -hmm. And then when the, you know, relationship started to crumble apart, it was like, this really isn't working out for me. Like I really did everything I was supposed to. And it just didn't make any sense. You said you felt angry with God during oh, this yeah. time. Can you Absolutely. sort of lean into that? And Because I know that you have always just trusted him mm-hmm. and walked really close with him. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about that emotion? And I'm sure you'd been angry before, mm-hmm. but go yeah. into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was about, um, I would say it was April of 2017 that um, I finally um, started to see a counselor. Mm-hmm. And... I don't think it was really until then that I allowed myself to admit that I was really angry with and God. you were a counselor at this time. I am. A, yes. Like, I've been a counselor this whole time. So you yeah. were like, okay, I've got this. I've got this. I can handle this on my own. Right. I don't need anybody else to tell me like what I need, you know? <laughs> you know. Yeah. I can work this out on my own. Right. Um, and I think that that's kind of always been me is like, I, I want to seem like I have it all together. And like being angry at God was like, not an okay thing Mm -hmm. for me to feel. Um, I felt betrayed by God. I wasn't sure that I could trust God. Um, I would not say that I ever like lost my faith. Um, but I mean, it was such a dark, time, you know, just every month. And then, you know, with the, the announcements that you would see on social media and all that, Mm -hmm. um, I just really, I think started to kind of like withdraw into myself and just had such an angry point of view toward the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, this is not working out for me. Like this isn't okay. Right. So, um, but it was, I think around the time that I started counseling that I was able to admit that that's what I was feeling mm-hmm. and start to process how I was like, what that was costing me, you know, mm-hmm. to have that Taking anger that. and yeah. bitterness. Yeah. Yeah. So counseling definitely helps. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, What's so funny to me, and like even my counselor and I laugh about it now, is that, you know, I walked through her doors thinking like, okay, we're about to, you know, we're preparing for IVF, like infertility. It was actually my OBGYN that referred me to her. Did you go together? No, no, it was just me. Yeah, just me. Mm -hmm. And um, because like I knew that I wasn't coping well, you know, when you cry at the doctor's office, it's pretty good sign like you're not doing okay. Yeah. So she referred me to her and it's it's funny to me now that that is what got me in the door. And I really thought, 
okay, well, we're going to go through treatment and I'll get pregnant and like maybe go while I'm like pregnant and like worried about all that stuff and then I'll be fine. And here I am like two and a half years later and I'm still in counseling because I love it so much. But, (laughs) you know, that having that in my life completely changed my trajectory. And had I not walked in her door for infertility to have that support in place when my relationship fell apart, I cannot imagine where I would be right now. So it turned out to be a gift. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, that's what, you know, it's just like this, this waiting room that I thought I was going to be in and I'm kind of still in a waiting room, you know, it's just a different one than I expected to be in. So yes. Yeah. Not that infertility doesn't suck beyond mm-hmm. anything, but mm-hmm. do you see God's protection in that? You know, what yeah. He, yeah, yeah, that is something that I think having the those kind of events so close together, you know, it never made sense. Like, why is this not working out? Mm-hmm. And then to have the marriage fall apart was... It did not take me long to go, oh, my goodness. Like, can I Mm -hmm. even imagine where I would be if I was pregnant or had a newborn or whatever or had a kid and, you know, several years down the road, things became even more stressful and I'm a single mom. So absolutely, like, having those two things in such close proximity to one Mm -hmm. another was finally what it took for me to go, Okay, God, I get it. Like, I can trust you. You know, like, yeah, this didn't work out, and now I'm thankful. Right. I think, you know, that's really when I kind of started to turn from anger about the infertility, but also anger and confusion with the divorce that I turned to gratitude Mm -hmm. and deciding that I could trust God even when I couldn't see what was playing out, you know, or what was going to play out. Um, and having gratitude for me not knowing best, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like releasing that. So, and that truly was like the beginning of my like personal work, you know, like I was desperate to save the relationship. And I think for a little bit of time, like I really thought that I, I could single handedly Mm -hmm. fix it, you know, but coming to the realization that I could not, and I should not do that alone and letting go of the picture that I had in my mind of how my life was going to look, um, and releasing that control was again, so much easier because I realized like, okay, that's probably why I don't have a baby right now. Yeah. Like I can release my plan and it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Really that was kind of the beginning of my transformation. I would say is letting go of the illusion that I had any control here because it became very, very apparent to me that I had no control. You're like, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Open hands. Uh, Like how many times have me and my counselor uh talked about open hands? I mean, I literally will sit there sometimes with open hands. Um, (laughs) But, you know, just, just letting 
the hopes and dreams and the pictures you had mm-hmm. of what life was going to look like. You know, once you have to do that, everything else is kind of flows more easily in your life because you know that you can't manipulate the situation anymore. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about that transformation. So you get divorced mm-hmm. and now I've, I've known you before, mm-hmm. um, like as a newlywed and then through the whole marriage and then after. Mm-hmm. And I have seen just an amazing, like you've always been mature, mm-hmm. always. And I feel like I'm just a touch older than you, but <laughs> I'm always like, Danielle, she's got, she's got it. Yeah. Um, and so it's been neat to also see this growth. Like I love following you on Instagram yeah. for those things that you post out there. I'm like, Every time I read something that you share or, like, Brene Brown pops up yeah. or whatever, I'm like, yeah. that is so good. Oh, like, thank you. It's, it's good things to yeah. read on social media. But yeah. talk about that transformation yeah. and the good bad parts about it and maybe the bad parts. Yeah. But- yeah, so, I mean, once I realized that um, my relationship was going to be over and really through that, like what I'd been begging for was like the opportunity to grow individually, but also together and releasing that picture of together and then saying, okay, like I'm going to dive in on me because that's what I can do now. And I think what my counselor helped me so much to do during that time was to really feel empowered Mm -hmm. that I didn't have a choice. Like I didn't have the choice that my relationship was ending, but I did have the choice of how I was going to respond. And I really just dove in on every podcast, book, song, whatever I could get my hands on because I identified where I needed to grow and I knew regardless of a relationship or not, like I wanted to become the person that I wanted to be and I wasn't there, you know? And so, you know, figuring out what I could make choices about and what I did have power over was kind of where that all started for me. Glennon Doyle is um, a writer and has her own kind of crazy story about her marriage and divorce and um, taking in a lot of her talks and her writing um, was really eye-opening for me because she's definitely like not from a tradition that I came from, um, but kind of opening my perspective to other points of view and take being just like having an open mind to, you know, I'm going to take in whatever wisdom I can. Mm -hmm. And if it's useful, I'm going to take it. And if it's not, I'm going to let it go and that's fine. Um, but in a podcast, she was talking about transformation really comes from pain you know, and I think you can either choose to sit in pain and stay in pain, or you can't allow it to transform your life. And so really kind of the whole time, it was just like, what is this teaching me? You know, what do I need to learn from this? Um, What am I identifying about myself that I want to change? Um, And, you know, allowing the experience to teach me about God and about the way the world works and the way people work and relationships work. And something she says is, you know, first the pain, then the waiting, and then the rising. And I think 
when I realized like, A, I wasn't going to always feel this way, but it is going to be a process and it is going to take time and it will get better. You Mm -hmm. know, Um, I started to have a lot more patience with myself through the process of like beginning, you know, healing. Um, So she also... (laughs) This, this was, like, so eye-opening to me. She's like, I think it's really ironic that um, Christians follow a man who carried his own cross to his own crucifixion and were under this illusion that life isn't supposed to hurt. Yeah, it's good. Like, yes. why would we ever think that? Yeah. You know? And you sit there and think that this this pain you're experiencing, whether it be infertility or divorce or whatever it is, is like an indictment, you know? It was like, what have I done wrong? Mm-hmm. Girl, you didn't do anything wrong. This is the world, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that's just how the world works. There's going to be pain. Things are not going to go the way that you planned them. Um, but, you know, choosing to grow from that yes. is where you can, mm-hmm. you know, use that instead of let it be down right and sit in it Mm -hmm. all that you said was Mm -hmm. just good you can tell that you've taken so much in Mm -hmm. and let it really resonate in you to Mm -hmm. change for the better okay so tell us some of your favorite moments of growth because Mm -hmm. I've seen you uh, like your trip just this weekend to Nashville looked like a ball yeah like so much fun but then also joining the choir yeah it's like things that you're just doing yeah tell me a little bit about that kind of growth yeah so I think you know when you get married and you get a job and life just kind of takes over and you settle into a routine and you know there are parts of that that I miss you know but once I was on my own it was kind of like okay, what do I need to do to reconnect to myself? Mm -hmm. Because for so many years, it had been all about someone else or about me in relationship to someone else. And my identity had been so much about, you know, if you'd asked me, like, tell me about yourself, I would have been like, I'm a wife. Mm -hmm. Like, even thinking about it today is like, tell me about yourself. You know, I'm a counselor. Like, no, really, like, ultimately, the only thing that can't change is like, I'm a child of God, you know, like that's the one and only thing that no one can take away and no one can change. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of reconnecting to that identity and opening myself up to like, okay, well, I have literally walked through the two things that if you had asked me, what do you fear the most would be losing my spouse and not being able to have children. And it's like, well, I'm walking through it. Mm-hmm. I've walked through it mm-hmm. and I literally have nothing else to fear, you know? So it's just kind of been a time of like, you know, reconnecting back to those things like music mm-hmm. that had been like this creative outlet for me growing up. And I just kind of put on the back burner and just kind of left behind. Um, that has been so healing for me. Um, taking a vacation on my own was great. Yes. You know, I would have never done that before. I remember thinking, well, she's probably with some, Mm-mm. no, she's by herself I was down by there. myself, That's yeah. great. By <laughs> myself at the beach. And I 
have never really been a beach person, but you know, I was like, I'm going to go to the beach because it's actually kind of uncomfortable for me to be alone at the beach because all you can really do is be still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the last thing I ever wanted to do was be still and like be alone with my thoughts and, um, you know, kind of forcing myself into those situations where I know I'm going to be a little bit uncomfortable because I know that growth is going to happen from it. (laughs) Going to yoga, you know, like something that I never, Mm -hmm. no, I'm a busybody. Like I'm not going to go to restorative yoga and lay there and breathe and then (laughs) cry, you know, like (laughs) no one cries at yoga. Yes, they do. Lots of people cry at yoga. Um, so, you know, just trying new things out and embracing like girlfriends again and reconnecting with people or connecting with people in a different way and letting again, kind of the pictures transform. Um, probably the best thing I did was go on a trip to the Azores with my college roommate um, and I didn't know how special that trip was going to be at the time. Like I knew it was kind of my first, like everything is over. This is my sigh of relief. You know, um, it was the summer after everything had kind of tied up, so to speak. And, um, that was so transformational to like go on an international trip mm-hmm. with a friend that I hadn't seen in six years, yeah. you know, yeah, you'll to have to share some of those pictures when we, post oh yeah, your yeah. Episode cause they're amazing. It was it was absolutely unforgettable and it was again such a good way to like reconnect with myself but also with mm-hmm. like a girlfriend. Yeah. So can you kind of speak to if there's anything that you wish you would have done differently mm-hmm. or would have happened? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you wish a lot would have happened differently, but mm-hmm. something that you could have kind of controlled that you would have done differently? I've thought about that question a lot um because I grew up, as my counselor says, shooting, S-H-O-U-D, U-L-D, shooting myself to death. You know, just like, I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have said this. I should have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I should, you know, all of that. And obviously with something like infertility and divorce, you look back and you think, what if I had done this differently? What if I had done that differently? And what's so bizarre for me now is, like, I look back and I'm like, I can't beat myself up for what I didn't know when I didn't know it. Right. You know? I don't regret a thing. I wish, sure, that I had been able to, like, process my anger a little more healthfully. Um, But, you know, that was a two-way road. Mm -hmm. You know? Neither one of us was processing things in the most healthy way. I think maybe the only thing I would say I would change is like going to counseling sooner, right. you know, so I could take care of myself in a, in a healthier way. But I don't regret the way that I handled myself during the divorce. I don't regret, you know, I was doing the best I could mm-hmm. with what I had and what I knew at the time. So, you know, I think growing up in this kind of like Southern Baptist, like very evangelical, kind of tradition again kind of made me have this belief that like if you do xyz and you follow quote unquote the rules Mm -hmm. things will be okay for you right and it's just not true Mm -hmm. all the time you know do I ultimately think that like things are gonna be 
better? Sure. But like, are things bad? No. You know, like this is not like being single, being divorced, like not having children. Like there's nothing wrong with any of those things, you know? So I don't, I don't think, I think what was meant to be is what has happened. You know, I just don't think that, um, I think accepting like what just like radical acceptance of the situation has radically helped me grow and like accept, you know, just like accept what's going on. I'm just like, okay, this is what it is and I can't change it. So Mm -hmm. I can control like what's going on inside me, but I can't control what's happening outside me. Right. Speaking to that, how can someone who is, like having a best friend walk through that, mm-hmm. um, like walk, walk through what you have experienced, how can we step in and help our friends that are experiencing that? Mm-hmm. Is there something that you wish someone would have done or something that someone did mm-hmm. to help you? Um, I had three kind of girlfriends that I really um, leaned on a lot during that time. And definitely sometimes we talked about what was going on. But honestly, like you know, to say, to not be afraid to ask a friend, like, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, because sometimes when you're walking through something so dark and kind of something so rare, it's, um, you kind of feel like you have the scarlet letter on, you know, like everyone knows what's going on, but you're doing your best to kind of conceal it. Um, and not that everybody should know, but you need to have a safe place and safe Mm -hmm. people to talk to but you don't want to be like the bummer friend who's yeah. just always like going through a hard time. Yeah. So as a friend, I think what was so valuable was when my friends were like, how are you doing today? Like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Or let's go see a movie. Like, let's go out to dinner. Let's yeah. talk about it. Let's not talk about it. Like mm-hmm. whatever you need. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I you don't need to treat a friend with kid gloves. I think that someone just wants you to ask. How are you? How's everything going? Mm-hmm. You know, is there anything I can do? I'm praying for you. That was, like, great to just know, like, I'm on somebody's mind, you know. I'm I'm not forgotten mm-hmm. here, you know. And just people who were so patient in letting me share my story at that time helped me know, like, okay, she, she doesn't know what this is like, but she's listening, and that's really all I needed. Mm-hmm. So what is something or some things that you would say to someone going through this situation or similar situation or has already been through it Mm -hmm. or can see it coming? What would you say to them to remind them that they're not alone? I think for me it was being willing to let the curtain down and admit I'm going through a really hard time. Like, things are not okay. Because um, before, if someone had asked, like, how's everything going? Oh, it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fine. It's whatever. But finally reaching that level of comfort with myself to say, I'm not okay, and that's okay. Right. Like, you're not expected to have it all together bringing other people in but being careful with who you're bringing in you know and um choosing really carefully 
who is going to treat your story with care and who you can be vulnerable with is really important. Um, but I think it's so important to not put the pressure on yourself to keep an illusion when that's just not reality, you know, um, obviously counseling is a life game changer. I am a lifer now. Like I will never not be in counseling. Um, cause I, I truly just love it so much. And I think what it's taught me is vulnerability and like radical honesty with myself and other people. Like I'm not going to lie to anybody about what's going on. Like I'm careful about who I share details with, but, um, I just don't, put myself under any pressure to keep this image up that's not real Mm -hmm. you know and I think um I was actually talking to my counselor about um doing this podcast and you know I kind of said to her like it's kind of an a slightly uncomfortable place to be because this isn't a neat, tidy story of like, oh, well, I met my, you know, new husband and things are happening. It's no. not like it's an unfinished, untidy, in the making, you know, there's no happily ever after, you know, and, you know, it's just like this isn't a sweet story at all. And sometimes you feel like people want a sweet story of like how everything just worked out. And she was like, but is that really what people want? Right. Yeah. And I don't think it is. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not. Like, people want to hear, like, how'd you get through it? How'd you get through Mm -hmm. it? You know? Um, Yeah. And so I think, I think being willing to bring the right people in, but also learning to be comfortable with yourself and, like, you know, trusting yourself. I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned was like, I can trust myself. I can trust the decisions I make. I can trust myself to survive on my own. Um, I'm gonna be okay. You know, I'm, I'm more than okay. I'm not, you know, I'm, I really do feel like I'm thriving. You know, it's not, um, not a bad situation at this point at all, but, um, learning to trust yourself and to like be, comfortable with the tension is something you just have to do because it's not always going to feel good right so is there anything else before we ask our fun question that you would want to throw in um I think I remember this one specific Sunday um I can't remember the exact song um but it talks about like is it more than enough? Is that what the song is called? There is a song called Yeah, I think it's more than mm-hmm. enough. Um, and I remember asking myself during infertility, like, if I never have kids, if I never have a family, is Jesus enough? Is this going to be enough for me? And I could never really answer that question. Like, I never really could settle on like yeah that'll be okay and at the time the answer was Mm -hmm. like no like I'm not okay with that and then I remember I don't know how far you know after the divorce it was um but that we were singing that song again at church 
And you know how sometimes you just have these moments where, like, it just overtakes you. And you're like, where did that come from? You know, but we were singing that song. That's a lot. Yeah, right? It's just like, bam. (laughs) Unexpected. Um, But we were singing that song. And, you know, it's like my life had fallen completely apart. Like, every bit of my life, the way that it looked, the house, the family, the everything. Like, everything had changed. And... We are singing that song, and it just hit me, like, he is enough. This is enough. Like, take everything else away. Take every identity, every role, every sense of, like, security that I ever had away. And, yeah, he's enough, you know? Um, So I know walking through it, you really do question, like, do I have what I need to make it through? And I think the answer is yes, you know, but sometimes you're walking blindly, you're walking in the dark. And I think that's, you know, that's another thing that I would say is like, it can feel really dark and you might only be able to see like five feet in front of you if that, um, but learning to embrace that as a gift, you know, like that's, it's not a punishment from God. Like this is a space where that wonderful book of learning to walk in the dark by um, Barbara Brown Taylor. But she talks about like all these instances in the Bible of like where God is communicating with people through dreams or at nighttime or in the dark or whenever they can't see. And it's like, those are the times you learn the most about yourself and about God and how he works. Um, and not being afraid of that is like, I don't have anything to fear, you know, like I can, I can find God in the dark. I can find him in the light Um, but truly like realizing that you're going to grow the most in the dark, Mm -hmm. I think takes the fear out of those, those circumstances a lot. So would you say relationship wise with God, you're closer than before? I think it looks really different. Yeah. Honestly. Um, I mean, there are definitely, there were moments where, I definitely felt closer to God. I think just my, um, like how I experience him is different, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, whether it be prayer or meditation or yoga or pure bar or laying in bed at night, like whatever it is. Um, I think I've started to identify like that gut inner knowing that I have always had that I was covering up with white noise or numbing or distracted or whatever it is. It's like that gut sense that you have is God's voice, mm-hmm. you know, the spirit living in you. Yeah. yeah. And I think that we wait for this audible, like, God, talk to me. I'm like, no, like that's your gut. Like he's talking to you through your gut, you know? And so I think, I'm more in tune with that and I'm more aware of that relationship in that way. Um, but I, I think just, um, you know, my, my faith and my view of God has transformed a lot, but in a much more like freeing way and in a, um, like God is not here to punish. Like God is not an angry God. Mm -hmm. Um, he's a loving and, tender God and there's so much more freedom than I ever experienced before. Cool. So 
<laughs> we like to end every episode with a positive, fun mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. So tell us some things that you're loving right now. Mm. Pure Bar is just my jam. Totally my jam. Um, it is so nice to go for an hour and just, like, turn your brain off and sweat and be with other women and feel graceful and strong and all the things. Mm-hmm. So Pure Bar is wonderful. They have locations, like, all over, Everywhere. Right? Okay. Not yeah. just here. Not it's just not like here. local. Okay. Yeah, That's it's good. everywhere. Yeah, we just went... Um, in Hamilton Mill, there's one. Yeah, okay. brand new. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that wasn't here, like, <laughs> yeah. a couple months yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's brand new. Cool. So, it's wonderful. Um, you know, coffee just keeps me going with school and all that. Um, and my dogs. It's dog. It's a national dog day, I'm yeah. pretty sure. So, um, I can't, can't forget them. So, yeah, Pure Bar Pups and coffee. Perfect. Yeah. Sounds like some good stuff to yeah. eat. Yes. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you for sharing your heart yes. and your story. It's been a joy and a blessing you. that you said yes to us, that you would come and share. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Thanks, friends, for listening to today's episode. Be sure to follow along on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any exciting new episodes. <laughs>